0: Nobody did that today, so you know, you all did so good. So uh, I love to see those babies. I love to see the children, man. It's a blessing, and uh, what a blessing it is. And uh, so, with that in mind today, and what we have, uh, just go ahead and getting focused in on this uh, in Genesis chapter number eighteen, and um, we find a story here uh, about Abraham. And uh, in Genesis 18, Abraham is meeting two men, actually three, uh, two angels, and I believe the third to be the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And as he's talking with these men, uh, they're going to describe to him about a uh, situation that's going to take place uh, the next day. And that situation is the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, in the midst, though, of this uh, great illustration, not just an illustration that's going to exist for a very long time that people still know about to this very day, but in the midst of that, there is a very unique uh, verse for us. Uh, When these men rose up to go down to Sodom to destroy the city, they rise up and they're having to talk with one another and uh, they're going to questioning some things and they're having a discussion and out of this little discussion comes a very amazing verse that I want us to see this morning and use kind of as a, uh, a, a launching pad to see where God has us for today and it's found in verse number 16. And the Bible says for us, And men arose from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? And here's the verse, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, and the Lord may bring that the Lord may bring Abra- bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him, and the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is very great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will now go down and see what they have done altogether. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the word of God, we're thankful for A great example left for us in the prophet, the patriarch, and um, this uh, great person, Abraham. A man of faith, a man that loved you, a man that was a friend of God. And Lord, I would say that all of us here this morning want to be your friend. And if we're not your friend, then God, we are your enemy and if there's one here today that is an enemy of God that has never believed upon Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then they are your enemy. For, Lord, they still trample underneath the blood of Jesus and underneath Him the blood of Jesus, Lord, and spit in his face and say, I don't need his blood upon my life. And, God, I would pray for the direct repentance of anybody like that here today that, Lord, they would see the great error that they've been in and that, God, they'd be saved and they would trust Jesus. And they would become children of God. And that, Lord, becoming children of God, that, Lord, we would see others that would come into the fold and that they would be saved. And, Lord, help us to be soul winners and to tell people about Jesus even if they don't want to hear. And then, Lord, also help all of us here this morning that have real physical children uh, that, Lord, are our own or maybe adopted that have, we have taken into our care Maybe grandchildren or maybe a niece or a nephew or a brother or a sister that, Lord, are in our care. May God you teach us, Lord, from your word uh, how Abraham uh, directed his family. And may God you give us the wisdom to do the same. And we will give you the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. God desires godly parents. God desires godly parents. And the reason that God desires godly parents is because God is a godly parent. And that sounds kind of redundant, I know. But the Lord says, to, says, be ye holy uh, as I am what? Holy, all right? The word holy means separate, it means different, it means set apart. And so, as God is holy and set apart and different, so God would desire uh, for parents to be holy and to be set apart and to be different also. He desires for us as Christian parents most definitely to be set apart, to be different than the parenting that you find in the world. He wouldn't expect us to live and to act and to raise our children as the world would raise their children. Now, the world in itself should be raising their children in certain ways. Amen? I mean, all people should be teaching their children things like manners and respect and things of that nature, right? Even ungodly people should be teaching. Uh, When I say ungodly, I don't mean that they uh, are just low-down, good-for-nothing sinners. I mean ungodly in the true sense that they don't have God. Uh, And. Unchristian people should be teaching their children these things. It's only good and healthy for a society if a child is respectful and people uh, are moral and people have good manners. You have a good society when you have things like that. But obviously whenever you start to see the decay of Christianity and the decay of the uh, standards of the, of, the, of the Ten Commandments... Uh, Alone, and you start to see the moral decay of society, then you're also going to see the uh, decay of manners, of courtesies, of respect, and loyalty uh, in the society's children also. And that's just going to exist. And we are in a society, and not just a society, but uh, God has chosen for us, this people here, it's in front of me right now. He has chosen you to live in a city that is against God. All right, you understand that, don't you? We're not a normal congregation. Okay, we were situated in a city with a council, with a mayor, with a with a, with with public servants, with a police department that teaches everything that it can to go against God and everything about to go against the Lord, and to uh, promote the things that are not godly, to promote uh, things like Sodom, Me, and Gomorrah, to promote uh, that, uh, uh, that we need to stay away from God and not be close to God. One of the saddest things I hear sometimes is that from some of you is that, uh, you know, I like driving to church on Sunday mornings because the traffic's not bad, you know. And I hear that report from oftentimes from many of you, and, and that's a sad report, is it not? The traffic's not bad on Sunday morning is because nobody's going to church. That's why everybody's asleep. They had a rough night on Saturday, you know. And they've been all up all night at, you know, at, you know, at 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 South by Southwest, or they've been doing this, or they've been living here, or doing that. It's been a, and, or maybe Sunday morning is just their day to, to take it easy. Uh, we have uh, T-shirts now that say Sunday is Fun Day, you know. That's the day we, we golf. That's the day we go, uh, you know, wake up late. That's the day we go fishing. That's the day we go hunting. And that's the day we do this and do that. And we do everything we can, but we don't do God, you know? Uh, yeah, football, definitely. Uh, should, how did I miss that, you know? <laughs> Especially this time of year. Um, but we as godly parents, we as Christian parents, ought to be raising and living and, and, and as a different people, Amen? And all of us that are believers here today should be living as different people, peculiar people. We've just de- witnessed the dedication of these beautiful children to the Lord. And this dedication, though, serves as a witness not just to the children, but it's much more of a witness for the parents, The parents are saying publicly, they're announcing this publicly, they're affirming that they mean business, that they want to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And it reemphasizes to all of us that have children, that have dedicated our children to God, we ought to be continuing in the same thing, whether your child is five years old or six years old or 50 years old or 60 years old, it doesn't matter Your children are still your children and you don't stop praying from them. You don't disconnect from them. I love at the end of his life how Jacob calls in his boys and he issues to them a prophecy. They listened to the old man. Joseph, in uh, uh, his later years, brings in Manasseh and Ephraim to Jacob for uh, Jacob to bless them and to uh, to watch over them. They're great examples for us that even as parents grow old, we don't disconnect from family. Amen. We have been recently been visiting some folks in the nursing home. And every time I go to the nursing home, my heart is always sad because I know there's people there that haven't seen family in a long time. Nobody's come to visit them. And just because we get old or your parents get old doesn't mean that you just stop and cut them out of your life. You don't disconnect. And there's some today in Christian society, I believe, and in churches all around that have really taken parenting too lightly too lightly we don't consider that it's a delightful and it's an important task you know people spend more time training their dogs and horses than they spend training their children train up a child in the way he should go and the way he is old he'll not depart from and people say well why didn't that work out for me well, you're so busy training, uh, you know, spot to learn how to retrieve, you never trained your child how to say thank you. I mean, that's really what happens in our society today. I mean, people are more focused on their bass fishing than they are on their children. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's the society we live in. And that's the way these kind of things have been around for a long time. But people are uh, worried about how. and they, We watch blogs on how to improve our weight or in beauty or how to increase our FICA score or how to better improve our 401K. But how many blogs and how many books have you watched lately on how to raise children? When was the last time you did that? How to be a godly parent. And you're sitting there thinking this morning, well, I'm not a parent. I get a pass today. Amen. I came to church on the right day. You know, I get a pass. No, you don't. Now you don't. You know why you don't? Is because Bible says for us, it says, go ye into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. Paul said to my son Timothy listen, none of us get a pass on being a godly parent because all of us ought to be soul winners for Jesus. You ought to be having somebody that you're able to instruct, you're able to help, you're able to correct at times. You ought to have somebody in your life. You ought to be looking for somebody to win and to witness for God. And when you win somebody to the Lord, then they are your spiritual child. And you have now been given the instruction and you have been given the ability and you have been given the task to help them in their walk for Jesus, we have an anemic church. Is because we have a lot of salvation decisions, but we have very little discipleship. And we need discipleship. We need somebody to help us grow in our faith for Jesus Christ. We need to come along as a parent and help them, and tell people about the Lord. So let's just look at a couple of things. Take your Bibles over to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4. And I want to see three ways in which uh, we can be godly parents this morning. Three simple points and you can write them down. They all start with the letter I. I'm not good at alliterating, but when it comes to me, I try to just include it in there. All right. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4. Aren't you glad the Bible's balanced? Amen. I mean, what does it say? And what is it? We always give our parents our kids a hard time. You time. Obey your parents. That's your right, alright? Children obey your parents, for this is right in the Lord, alright? Children ought to be obeying parents. thought I'd be. Children ought to be obeying their parents. Amen. Amen. They ought to be. That's what the Bible says. Children always obey their parents. Okay, good. I'm glad there was no amens there. Alright? You know? I did have a parent one time that said I'm glad they didn't say that about my child because I wouldn't have believed them. Ooh, man. You really hold, they put the kid up there on the pedestal, don't you, you know? Um, Listen, our kids don't always brand blue ribbons at the county fair, okay? All right? Children do disobey. But I'm glad the Bible's balanced. The Bible says, children, obey your parents, for this is right, and uh, honor thy father and thy mother, that it may be well within the earth. But then look at verse number four. Look at it says. It says for us, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The Bible's so balanced, isn't it? The Bible's not one-sided. The Bible doesn't just tell us what wives are supposed to do, it tells us what husbands are supposed to do. The Bible doesn't just tell us what servants are supposed to do, it tells us what masters are supposed to do. The Bible is not just concerned with what the congregation is supposed to be doing. It's also concerned with what the pastor is supposed to be doing. And here we find that the Word of God teaches us that the Word of God is concerned about what children do, but it's just as much concerned as with what parents do. It's a balanced book. I love the Bible. We're, I'm Unbalanced. We're unbalanced people. We're always here and there or we're or, or extreme, you know. But the Bible's not extreme. The Bible is a balanced book. And it gives us the sides of both things. And the first way in which you will be a godly parent is, write it down, is that you can say, you can write the word irritate. Irritate. Don't provoke your children to wrath. That's what the word provoke means. It means to irritate. When I had uh, a sister, I was eight years old. i have been a I'd been an only child, basically. I've got an older sister, but I never really lived with her. She was 15 years older than I am. But so I was basically an only child at home. So, eight years old, and boom, here's this little kid comes into the world. And I'm like, what in the world? You know? You know? I went through all these feelings. Of, my parents don't love me. Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? That's a bunch of nonsense I've realized. You know what I mean? Your, my parents love me to death, you know? So she comes in. And so what does an older brother like to do? Irritate. Oh, man. I, 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 that's like I took joy in it. You know what I mean? How can I irritate her even more and everything? And so uh, if Sarah's watching right now, she would testify and say amen to that. I mean, I just... But don't... That's not what we're supposed to do with our kids. We're not to provoke our children. We're not to place undue strain upon them, or not to unnecessarily call them out, or not to pressure them into being something that they cannot be, or maybe perhaps don't want to be. Sometimes there's these parents that want to live out their dreams through their kids, and that's just wrong, my friend. You're provoking a child to wrath. there's a couple of ways in which we do that. Number one, by ignoring our children. You can provoke a child to wrath by ignoring a child. Bad behavior is never justified, amen? But there's a great illustration in uh, 2 Samuel whenever Absalom is called back to David's uh, house there and when he's called back to him, what does he do? He waits to go see David and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting and he calls Joab, David's right-hand man, and he says, hey, I want to see that, you know? And Joab doesn't send a letter back. And he writes him again. He says, I want to see that. And never he gets a letter back. So what does Absalom do? He sends his servants out and he lights Joab's field on fire. You know? You know? If if you want some attention, go out and set a field on fire. Amen? That's what he does. Okay? Is it right? No, it's not. But what what happened? He, David, provoked his child to wrath. Why? Because he ignored it. He just ignored it. I didn't say anything back to him. Yeah, but you don't spend any time with You just ignore them. You act as if they're not there. That's going to hurt a child. Uh, wasteful. Uh, Laban uh, provoked Leah and Rachel to wrath, to anger. Why? Because he wasted their inheritance. He wasted their money. Uh, they were leaving and so uh, again, bad behavior is never justified. So uh, Rachel, uh, what does she do? She goes and steals uh, Laban's gods, all right, kind of to get back at him. I don't think she's worshiping them. I think she's getting back at them. I think that the gods probably, these little idols probably were worth something. They probably were made of gold or silver or some kind of precious stone or something like that. And so she's still, well, if I can't get my inheritance, then I'll take dad's gods. I'll take his idols. I'll take his possessions. I'll take his worth. I'll take his value. Wasteful. Because they had wasted, uh, Laban had wasted away uh, their inheritance. Don't be a wasteful dad or mom. Don't be a wasteful dad or mom. Uh, don't waste your time on TV. Waste. Just waste. You know, there's some dads that can't be approached because they're watching their favorite football show. Favorite favorite football team. Nobody can talk to them. I don't talk, You know. Don't be. Don't waste your life on sports. On, on don't waste, Don't even waste your life on work. Don't waste it on money. Don't waste it on a career or on entertainment. All right. If you're if you're if you're spending your life all over that with that and not spending any time with your kids, you're wasteful being waste. now some of you can't gain we're never going to gain the years back amen you can't gain anything back but you can be a frugal parent now. you can be frugal in what you're doing now. never I said this in Sunday school never let past decisions determine future destinations. We are all made very stupid decisions in the past, okay? There's nobody in here that is not within the stupid decision category, okay? We've all been there. Dumb moves, okay? I've been there, you've been there. But we can't let past decisions determine future destination. You can't be like, well, I took a wrong turn on this road. That doesn't mean I want to get to where I'm going. No, you turn around and you go the direction that you're supposed to go, you know? So you might have been wasteful, but don't let that continue on. Also, unreasonable. Another way to provoke a child of wrath is being unreasonable. What happened whenever Saul and Jonathan were sitting down at a table and Jonathan's trying to talk to his dad and be like, hey, dad, listen, man. David is really not a bad guy. He likes you. He served you. And and Saul doesn't like get mad at him. He doesn't yell at him. What does he do? He takes a spear and he tries to throw it at him and kill him. Uh, That's kind of unreasonable. All right? Amen? But you're somebody. Don't be a dad. Don't be a mom. Don't be a parent. Don't be somebody that cannot be talked to. You You might be an importer. You might be a pastor. You you might be a boss. You might be a dad. You might be a mom. You might be somebody that's in charge of something. Never be so prideful that you cannot be talked to. There's people out there that that, that you can't reason with them. There's nothing you can say that is going to ever change them or challenge them or make them think they are right. Deal is sealed. Right? Don't be that. If you do, you'll provoke your children to wrath. Provocation uh, to a child not only leads to wrath and to anger, but Colossians 3.21 says this, Father, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So there's two things that happen there. Either a child is going to be angry and show out, or a child is is going to be sad and depressed and close up. Those are the two reactions that you get from children. You get showing out, or you get reclusing and closing in. Both of those happen when you have parents that are discouraging their children and provoking their children in certain ways, either by ignoring them, being wasteful, or just simply being unreasonable. The second thing is this, is turn over to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And we'll probably spend the rest of our time here this morning. But Deuteronomy chapter number 6, I would call your attention to the second point. The second way to be a godly parent is to impart. Don't irritate, impart. Bring them up in the nurture of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse number 4 The Bible tells us here, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee say shall be in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Abraham was one, as I pointed out to you earlier, as God says, he said, the Lord says, actually, and I know that Abraham will teach his children the ways of God. Dude, would God be able to say that about us as a parent? Would God be able to entrust you with the gospel? So that you can give it to somebody else because God knows knows that you'll not just give the gospel, but you'll also raise up some godly people for the Lord. You'll instruct them, you'll impart with them, you won't be irritated with them whenever they sin and do something wrong. I'll tell you what, as a spiritual dad to some people, I'll tell you what, a new believer can get on your nerves as much as a little child can, right. I mean they're asking all kinds of questions and they're 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 asking this and they're asking that and they're saying and they're they're way off over here and they're way imbalanced over here and they're and they're this and they're that. Hey, don't get irritated with somebody like that. Impart to them wisdom and knowledge. Instruct them, love them, care for them. That's what you do with a child. Well, that kind of sounds like what God does to us, amen? Can you imagine if God was irritated with us every time we did something stupid? Yeah. Can you imagine if God was like, whenever you got to, whenever you came to the Lord this morning and you prayed you said, Lord, I really needs your help today. You know, it's been a long, it was a long week, and it's the beginning of the week, and God just stops you and says, you know what? I'm just really irritated with you. I mean, you sinned last Tuesday. I mean, that's the 15th time you've done that thing. And I, I just, you know, I'm not listening to you. Lord, I, I got it right with you. I'm so sorry. I took the actions to, 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 to make the correction on the thing. Yeah, I know you did all that, but you know, I, I just can't stand to listen to you. How would you feel like God did that to us? <coughs> this morning, that's just a, that's just it's just an illustration because it's not true God doesn't do that God is merciful he's kind he's long-suffering he's gentle and he's good to us we need to be ready to give an answer that's what he tells him he says uh you need to be ready when your kids come to you and they're asking you questions you know the Bible says in St. Peter says, or 1 Peter says, be ready to always give an answer. Are you ready to give an answer to your kids? You ought to. Uh, there are four instances in your Old Testament, uh, the Passover, the sacrifice of the first the sacrifice for the firstborn, the law of God, and the crossing of Jordan. All four of those right there, uh, he tells them. He says, When your children come and ask you about this, then you tell them this. You need to be ready to give your children an answer to the Lord. Hey, Dad, you know, why don't we go go fishing on Sundays? Because bless God, we're Christians, we don't do that kind of thing, amen? You know? Get your heart right with God, you know? You you just provoked your child to wrath. That is a sincere and honest question coming from a child, even if they're 13 or 14 years old. No, you, you tell them, because some, we're, we're different. You see, God saved us, and God has called me as a dad, and God has called me as a mom to raise you up according to the ways of God. And we want to honor God on this particular day. We've chosen to do that. We want to honor the Lord on this day. And give Him praise and give Him glory. Be ready to answer your kids' questions. And if you don't know the answer, it's okay. Amen? You call your pastor and be like, hey, get home. And I'll tell you, you know what, I don't know either, you know. So hopefully, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get an answer. Because so we want to be uh, blessed, we want to impart truth to our children. And remember God's grace. You're in Deuteronomy, you can go to Deuteronomy 4, 9. And he says here in verse number 9, it says this. It says, Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thy eyes have seen, and lest they depart from you and thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Uh oh, grandparents? Grandma, grandpa? Dad, mom? We all, you know, uh, uncle, aunt? I'll throw you in there too. I was just fellowshipping with somebody the other day and said, You know what? You know, you know who saw them, helped them to see an example of Christ? Was their grandma. What was, who was Timothy's influence in his life? His mom and his grandma. That's who it was. He didn't have a Christian dad. Okay? So it's not always going to be, it's not always going to be uh, I, another guy that, that helped us out with some electrical work. He is, he is a young kid, he just got saved. You know who it was that led him to Christ, that, that showed him Christ? It was his uncle. Listen, I, you don't have to be a mom or a dad or a or a grandma or a grandpa, but you know what? You can be, You said you can be a light to the family that God has given to you, and you can be a light to them, and you can can let them know that you love God, and when something good happens in your life, you know what you do? You go down and you say, hey, Maya, guess what God did for us this past week? Amen? Amen? Hey, 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 look what God did. I want to tell you about something God did for me 15 years ago. Can I tell you how God healed me from cancer? Can I tell you about that? You know, kids need to hear that kind of stuff, folks. They need to hear the miracles of God. You need to be able to say, hey, you know what? When you were being born, they were really worried. Your heart stopped beating. We prayed to God that God would just deliver you right then. You know what? In five minutes, you were born. That happened to our second child. They need to hear that stuff. And let them know. You say, man, they're just young. I don't care. Tell them when they're little. Sing, Jesus loves me when they're in your little arms. There's never a time when a kid is too little to hear about Jesus. Never. Quote verses to them. Tell them you love them. Tell them that God loves them. I tried to head out a gospel track yesterday to young man and a young girl and I gave her a gospel check and she said, no, I don't want that. And I said, well, Jesus loves you. She said, no, he doesn't. <sighs> That's sad, folks. That's sad. I turned around. I was, they were both holding hands and everything. And she, No, he doesn't. It's kind of interesting. I thought though, that, the, that the guy let go of her hand when, he said, when she said that. He was a little repulsed by that. Kind of looked over at him like, because you know why? It's probably had somebody that told him that Jesus loves him. Probably had a little love in his heart. A little love shown. him. And that little girl probably had to show that to your kids. And we have a responsibility to teach. I've already read you the verse. I don't need to read you again, but um, I'll read you this verse in Psalms. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Psalms 71, 17, and 18. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation, and thy power to everyone that is to come. Listen, you can be old and gray-headed, Amen? Still be sharing God's goodness and teaching God's glory. Okay? Age. I love this thing about teaching kids and about showing people about God and about Jesus. You know, there is no age limit. Amen? None. Whatsoever. Another the church in town just had their missions conference. And they had Don Sisk over there. And Karis knows Don Sisk. He was a missionary over in Japan and uh, for many years. And uh, I think he's like 83 years old or something like that, 85 years old. And he gets up and he's preaching God's word, you know. I think he wrote a book a few years ago called The Fourth Quarter. And then he wrote another book when he got to about 84, 85, or however old he is now. And he wrote another book and it's called Overtime. <laughs> and, um, I tell you, I, man, it's awesome. You know, there's no age when <laughs> you tell people about Jesus, my friend. You tell people about the Lord, no matter how old you are. And the third thing is this: is that is that we don't irritate our children. We we don't uh, we, we we impart truth to them. And thirdly, write it down: is that we issue, we publicize, we release, we broadcast. That's what the word here is: bring them up in the nurture. Is the word teaching there? But bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's that the word, their admonition, is rebuke and warning. But we should be making conscious and a public choice to serve God to our children, to our families, to your extended family, to your mom and to your dad. You have made a public decision to serve God. That doesn't mean you're down their throat. or That doesn't mean you're some kind of uh, person that's always uh, trying to make somebody do something or something like that. No, but they know that so-and-so, that they love God and they love Jesus. Amen? And if there's ever a question about my uh, eternal security and my eternal life, then you know what? I can go to them because I know they know God. Do your children know that you know God? Let me rephrase that. Do you know God? An old-time preacher of past said, my greatest worry, my greatest worry he preached to a congregation of seven or eight hundred people. He said, My greatest worry is that the people I preach to the most may get to heaven and before God one day and truly never be Christians. So that's my biggest worry. He was constantly, constantly imploring this congregation to examine themselves, to look themselves in the mirror. And and ask hard and honest questions. Am I a believer? Don't think that that's a form or issue of doubt, my friend. That is not. That is what God told us to do. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. He tells us to do that. And whenever you are in the faith, and you go through a self-examination process, you know what? You're not discouraged on the other side. You're encouraged on the other side. Amen? Amen? Because you go, I am saved. I am a Christian. I'm going to heaven. My sins are forgiven. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Praise God, you know. And you come out of that thing, helped. But if you're not willing, you're not willing to examine yourself and to ask tough questions about your eternal life, And that might say something about where you stand with God. You need to do that. Because your kids, your family, there's people around you that are depending, depending on you to be godly and to know God. To know God. publicize it. Let it be known. Children shouldn't have to question if mommy or daddy love God. They shouldn't have to question whether or not we're going to church. Whether or not, you know, They don't ought to be weird if dad or mom forgets to pray before a meal. That ought to be weird. I'll never forget one time we was backing out or going on a trip. I don't know where we were going. Maybe it's my parents. It's always been our custom to pray before we go on a long trip. We don't do that. You know, We're just going down here to P. Terry's or something like that. But on a long trip, we just to pray. something my dad did. I remember that, him doing that. And uh, he'd always do that. So you know, I, was, I thought that was a good thing. I'm going to do that too. Try to keep that. I remember backing out and pulling out and getting ready to get out of the And I forget what kid it was. It might have been Miles. Or, I don't know who it was. It might have been I don't know who it was. But one of the kids said, Daddy, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? You ever say, anybody ever tried to travel with five children? I remember trying to get out of the house with one kid, and, you know. Amen. A newborn because what inevitably happens when you got a newborn is that you get it all. I mean, the, the Satan always gets after the, the parents with newborns. That's why you got to dedicate them when they're young, and you got to pray for them. You know what I mean? Because you got you you guys. I hand it to you for being here today. All right. All right, because I know what happened this morning. You got up, you had all the clothes laid out. It was the perfect little dress. It was a perfect little outfit for, for 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 them. And then what happened? They poop all over it, right? And it goes out the backside and everything, you know. And you're going, well, maybe God doesn't want me to go to church this morning. And you know that's not true, right? <laughs> They spit up and they throw up all over their stuff and everything. And then the other kid's crying and this and all this. All this stuff's going on. And you're like, man, man. And, then, and you're real spiritual when you come to church then, right? <laughs> <laughs> when we're backing up and, you know, these five kids got stuff everywhere. Pillows and blankets and all kinds of stuff. Can't see off the back. One of the kids Daddy, yeah, yeah, what what is it? We forget something else? We haven't prayed yet. I mean, and you feel about that small, you know. (laughs) You feel about this little. Yes, you're right. That's right. You know why? Because I'll be weird if you don't pray. But it ought to be unusual. I can't I, can't, I can't get my kids to bed. Pray for yourself. I mean, you're old enough. You can pray, can't you? you know? Come on. I'm tired. Let's be real with you this morning. Okay? All right, all It's right. because I'm a pastor. I'm you not know, old. We've got to realize that, you know what? Our kids need us to be godly parents. They need that. They need that. This world needs that. Amen? I mean, look at the world we're in. Look at the shape we're in in this world. Amen? Just look at this world that we're in, folks. We need to raise up some godly parents, some godly kids so we can get some more preachers, some more missionaries, some more soul winners to get out there and tell people about Jesus Christ. This city has a handful of churches that are preaching the gospel. You realize that? Go up to Greenville, South Carolina, you know? Go down to Houston, okay? <coughs> but you ride around the city of Austin, you can, ride, you can drive and drive and drive and drive and drive and drive, and you won't even see a church. Not a let alone a gospel preaching church. A church! We were just, I was just out a coffee shop yesterday, and um, and was grabbing a coffee, and and, uh, and we were there, and I didn't even realize it. I wasn't paying attention or anything, but I but but uh, but um, I was with somebody, and and they said, I said, you know this this place has got some, you know, satanic stuff in it." Man, look around. There was satanic symbolism all over the walls. It was everywhere. I was like, man, this is crazy. Well, that's the place we live at. That's where God has chosen to put us, okay? All right? Whether you're in Kyle or Buda or Dripping Springs or a little further north or wherever you're at, God has chosen for you to be here in the city of Austin so that we could reach people for such a time as this, all right? And I don't understand it, and if, but probably the majority of us if given a choice, this would not have been my first choice to move to, all right? The majority of you are probably say, yeah, I'd like to live somewhere else, you know? But God has not allowed that to happen. God has put you here, and he's put you here for a reason, and he's put us here for a reason so that we can be godly parents, so that we can be godly people, so that we can tell more people about Jesus Christ, and let people be saved, and maybe some churches get started, amen? And some more people get saved, Amen? How many people live down in those, just in one of those condos down there? You know? How many people live in just one of those things? And how many of those people are saved? And how many of those people go to church on a regular basis? And how many of those people have been discipled? And how many of those people are grounded in their faith? Folks, I'm just telling you, we have been given a great opportunity. And the Lord has... The Lord has... The Lord is is doing something here, folks. Okay? With the people that we have. You're a part of something. That God wants to work in. And do something here. You need to get on board with that. Tell your neighbor, tell your friend, tell somebody else. But you know what? Don't forget your kids. Don't forget and children. Don't irritate them. Don't provoke them to wrath. Impart truth and biblical knowledge to them. And then make a publication, make a statement, issue it. As for me in this house, we serve the Lord. Father,